This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder, the Maxi Soap. <laughs> <laughs> the Maxi Pad episode. This is the episode where we pour blue water onto your the Maxi Pad of your interest. Here's what we promise you: will be super absorbent. Yep, unscented. It, there will be no leaks this entire episode. There'll be wings, but they'll work. Oh man, the the darn things got wings. Do you remember those ads? <laughs> no. When the always first came out with maxi pads with wings, which is it should have happened years ago. It was a new thing. It was so new, and Kids. it was it came. I think in the 90s, right? Late 80s, maybe? I maybe not have my period yet. And there was literally a lady in the commercial. <laughs> it did not apply to you. There's a lady in the commercial holding up this nutso-looking huge maxi pad with the wings going, the darn thing's got wings. That's cute. Where is she today? Dad. <laughs> she died of toxic shock syndrome. Because the whole thing was made of asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't realize back then that they shouldn't kill women internally. No, they didn't the know you shouldn't just shove asbestos right up your... Anyway. Look. Listen. Mm-hmm. That's how we pick start. <laughs> Listen, this is just a free association episode. Whatever the mouths happen, Karen's eating. Oh, sorry, Canadian I, Kit Kats. I keep forgetting there is a okay. Look. Talk about it. We have an. Let's do an office corner. Okay, because I we have everything. You you tell a thing. Okay, my thing in the office because we're in the office. It's the new studios. It's very exciting. Every day there's a new thing. Now the walls are painted. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, the acoustic tiles are up, waiting to be hung so that all the sound is perfection. There's a Steven in the corner. Steven's got his whole thing set up, including my favorite new clock. There's a Steven corner. Uh, corrections on Steven corner. But my favorite thing, which is, and I apologize for you having to listen to me but we are given so much candy and we might need to ask, please, less candy yeah. at the shows. We have... So much candy uh-huh. in this office that there is a literal humongous drawer filled with Canadian Kit Kats in our kitchen. And that's every time we come to record, I just go open that drawer and pull one out yeah. for myself. It's amazing. How about we do a rule that if your name is Leslie? No. How about if you were born in the month of October, <laughs> May, or August, you can bring us candy if you want. <laughs> but otherwise. Or if your name is Leslie. Or if your name is Leslie. <laughs> Other with than an that, IE with a Y, whatever. Doesn't matter. And we're going to look at your driver's license, too. You have just to. Just an I. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes, because it's getting so out of hand. And it's very difficult not to eat high quality oh, chocolate if it's God. near you. These fucking salted caramels we get from this is the this is the best chocolatier in our in, in our fucking town. Omaha. And yep. it's salted caramel. And then the other problem is that I love dark chocolate. You hate it. So I immediately get the dark chocolate. Yes. And then my suitcase is full of dark chocolate salted caramels and i want to cry i mean and here's the thing everybody that gives us gifts has really good taste they know what a good gift is to give um they know to go to the oldest candy store in their town because it (laughs) reflects the town it reflects quality it's it harkens back to a time of yore yeah for whites um (laughs) Let's be specific, but it, it, it really is the best. Yeah, so I, I will go it. home with a little box, like a C's or Whitman style tiny box of local candy. 
and just be like, well, I have to eat it. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here in Pittsburgh. I do the thing of, I'm going to bring this home and give it to my mom. Or I have a I have a shelf of like, I'm just going to give that to someone else. Like, yes. it's so nice, but I don't want it, this or that. And then I just end up eating it all. There's a of whole course. fucking can of maple syrup someone gave us in Canada that is like, well, I shouldn't let this go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have a fucking can of maple syrup. That's like me sometimes when um I'm in the grocery store and I want to buy candy, but I'm so ashamed to be buying candy that I have to make up a story in my head where I, I start the story. This is for the kids. Someone's going to come over later. Yep. This is for the kids. Who are the There's kids? not one child in my neighborhood. <laughs> I don't, I'm not friends with anybody on a day-to-day basis that I see children. You don't own any children. There's no, I don't have them hidden in the attic. There's no fucking kids. Why? Okay, hold on. There's a gnat. We're, we're going to get him. Record this or it might be edited out if it's terrible, but there's a fucking gnat and I swear to there's God. There's a get in your face gnat that's flying through this room right now. It, I bet you it's because we turned the lights off and it's cold up there now. Oh, yeah. But also, I can't tell the gnat from the um, floaters in my eyes. Oh, shit. I promise there's an... What? No, I saw it coming right. at me. Or we'll, uh, this, the, It'll happen at some we'll point. We'll get that little motherfucker. My office update corner. Yeah. So, let's talk about the raggedy clown that we... <laughs> there's... Okay. I think we talked about this in the past episode. We'll put a, video, a photo of it up and maybe a video of it up on our social network. Someone gifted us... What's a raggedy, it looks like a raggedy Ann, but it's a clown. And on one side, it's a happy face. And then you turn it over the other side on the back of his head. It's a fucking vintage clown sad face. With, um, with tears on its own face. Crying knit, knit tears. (sighs) Almost got him. Didn't get it. Knit tears. Why is it happening? They, and I, and I was talking. So I came here early and I was talking to Steven. And Danielle Pri- is private conversation. Yeah. But okay? I'm going to tell you about it now. It's, okay. Okay. No, no, no. So I walk in the office and I'm like, why is the clown right there? <laughs> That's not where we originally put the clown. And it's a weird place in a weird place. And I realized that lately I've been coming in the office and it's been in different places every time. Mm-hmm. So I come in here and Steven and Danielle, who's our uh, exactly right executive producer. Yes. And she's running this network. She's so fucking amazing. Danielle Kramer. We love her the best. And I said, which one of you guys are moving the clown? Like as a joke. (laughs) And they were both like, we are not moving it. And I believe them. They're not lying people. (laughs) And then at 5 a.m. the other day, the alarm went off here and it's moving all the time. And then Danielle said when she listened to the video of the alarm going off, she heard like creepy voices. No. Yes. She. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I, I just found out and I was like, don't tell Karen. I'm going to tell her on the podcast. Uh Okay, because I absolutely assumed Stephen was moving the clown. Stephen. Well, so I have moved it once or twice, <laughs> but but this last time they came in and there was something on the floor and I took a picture and sent it to Danielle because if anything goes wrong, I'm like, let's see, Danielle. And it was part of the alarm system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Danielle knows what's up. She's gonna. She's yeah. She's running the place. And then <laughs> uh, she was like, Oh, do you mind just putting it back in its spot? And so I went went back into the main room and put it in its spot. And I noticed the clown was in the corner, like and turned around and the clown. Was like there. the clown was in the. And I did not <laughs> notice it when I walked in. I'm like getting chills just saying it right now, but it's fucking Chucky. But can I just say this then? The other night when I was leaving, I did. I don't know if I moved the clown. Oh, no. But I definitely turned the clown around so it wasn't the crying face. It was the happy face. Because I was like, we don't need to be looking at the sad side of the clown. Well, the only other person that could have done it, the only other employee and person who works for Exactly Right Media is our is Jay. Yes. And the three of you could not be more like more of an honest bunch <laughs> that wouldn't fucking play pranks. So I don't. Okay, so here was my idea. Because it's two days after April Fool, so it'd just Ugh. be lame. 
and if April Fool's is like Stephen. Honestly, drop drop the prank now, <laughs> Stephen. Look Steven, at me. God damn it, you rascal. <laughs> um, so here was my idea in case it is haunted, and then we're like, let's get rid of it. But okay. I think it's the coolest thing, and I remember the two girls who gave it to us. I feel like the the women that gave it to us, it was in. Okay, wait, remember? wait. Oh, okay, okay. okay so I'm a hundred percent wrong, but I remember it being these two gals in Arizona being like, we found this today at a, at a thrift store and we thought it'd be great for you. And then we started crying and they were like so happy about our reaction. Mm-hmm. So Stephen and Danielle had the great idea. We're going to fucking Arizona this weekend. <gasps> Drop it we back give off. Give it back to them and give it to the hometown person. <laughs> it's your problem now. But then we have to fly with it. That's right. And and we have to buy it its own seat. <laughs> Did you know that? You have to strap it in. You can't just sit in your lap or underneath the seat They're running not- out. Haunted clowns, man. Those now, are expensive. For some reason, I remembered getting that clown from those guys, um, those people, those women after the Circleville it, when we oh, were in Ohio. Yeah. I feel like that's the area we were in. But now let's you pretend. could tell me anywhere. You could tell me. I think you're right. But I want to, but let's pretend I am and bring it with us this weekend. Stephen, will you look up in the email just because I feel like we had at least one conversation with the people who gave us the email that then said we are the ones that sent you the clown clown. either wait are you sure that's not part of the kit kat it might be in your (laughs) kit kat now (laughs) that's that's probably for the best well we should find out because if you take it to arizona you're just unleashing the clown you know what maybe it's for maybe we need it it's for everyone (laughs) that's right good exactly (laughs) am i right we throw it into the crowd it's up to you now to fucking handle this what if, but what if, if we bring on the plane and it's an emotional support haunted clown, then is it fine? Well, it depends on how much support it brings you <laughs> and if it really makes a difference. Because we could travel and take this journey with this haunted clown and find out that all along the haunted clown was inside us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And this weekend, Vince isn't going to be with us. Oh, that's On right. tour because it's WrestleMania and that's the only thing he would he would force forsake us for nothing else yeah that except for he would not have any part of that clown no you're right he wouldn't or you're saying i'm just saying oh it's for be a wrestlemania would be the only thing it's definitely yes. going to be a weird weekend yes. we're going to be off our kilters because we don't have our grounding emotional uh, support vince yes our emotional support <laughs> soil that is vince averill <laughs> but we'll have a word okay it'll be fine everything's fine uh, we'll see if it's fine or not. Well, we'll let you know. You'll know. <laughs> you'll definitely know. You'll, you'll see be the, the first to know. Smoke in the flames. <laughs> and you'll know. Now, the last time we were in Phoenix, that was when we were in the revolving theater. The, the circle stage revolving theater. I, really one of the fun, most fun times of my life, I think. Yeah. That night, that audience... The interaction and the fact that the stage was moving <laughs> the entire fucking time. I will never forget it. That was beautiful. It was magical. Um, we have some announcements. Oh, yeah. Because we have this podcast network. Yeah. This is a exactly right corner. God, we got to get something better than that. Yeah. Well, these are just updates. These are network updates. This is a... Yes. That's my news. Teletype. It's your phone is buzzing exactly when that was going on. Ew, is that your see. phone? Let's just see who it is. Okay. I'm so excited. Is that it? Oh. It's from San Juan Capistrano. Oh, your favorite place to vacation. <laughs> who the fuck would that be? <laughs> your favorite. I love to go down when the swallows come back mm. and shoot swallows. <laughs> Bite their heads Have off. Have you? It's the best vacation. Listen, PETA, email us. It's fine. Uh, 
We love your cartoons. We love your interactions. Um, Oh, yeah. So, So, God. Exactly Right is the podcast network we have started. And the Jensen and Holes Murder Squad just premiered. um, And you guys came out in full force. These guys have been number one on the overall podcast network charts. Since the night before it premiered and yeah. his staying there. I, I, I want, I want to convey how incredible this is to us and how much this means to us and how important this is. And this podcast is incredible. Jensen and Hole's Murder Squad, but it says so much. It, you guys made us look really fucking good. Yeah. Cause we were like, we swear to God, if you guys help us make this, this thing will go, it will be big and people will love it. We and, had to sell it. Yeah. And it really worked. And the ultimate, I, I was telling you and uh, Danielle and Steven this earlier, but the ultimate compliment was the day after it came out, my sister called, who is not a murderer, you know, <laughs> or, and is not interested. She's real happy for you. But. She's, she's proud from a distance, but doesn't want to get. <laughs> involved mm-hmm. that's her whole stance on everything and she is she doesn't like true crime it freaks her out she listened anyway and loved it and she was just like it's amazing the i love the song i love the whole setup in the beginning but to listen to professional people yeah. discuss the jobs they've had and the work they've done and where it is now and where they want it to go she's like i think it's going to change the way people interact with like their media i think so too and i just is here's the thing you don't have to believe Laura Kilgariff, but she is the one <laughs> that spotted george clooney on the early episodes of uh, The Facts of Life when he was just a handyman at the store and was like, who's that guy? (gasps) And it was back when he had long, weird hair and was kind of beefy. She cloonied. She cloonied early. Yeah, and hard. And hard. Oh, God. So, but this week, um, on the network, all six podcasts that we have have brand new episodes. Yeah. So we'll read them to you now. Of course, it's Jensen and Hole's Murder Squad, which um, the next episode two uh, drops Monday, April 8th. And next so Monday. make sure you subscribe because it's not going to be on our feed this time. Right. Yeah. Go join it and subscribe and support and rate and do all those things that, you know, uh, help podcast. You know technology. You know how to do it. Also, um, on Do You Need a Ride with me and Chris Fairbanks this week, the great Martha Kelly, who plays Martha on Baskets, Ugh. is our guest. Stephen uh, was there for the recording. We had a really good time driving around Mount Washington ran- very <laughs> randomly. Sure. Just driving around on the east side I mean, of L.A. Who hasn't had a good time driving around Mount Washington? It's really. pretty. It's pretty great. M- Martha a lot of you guys know her from Baskets, but before she was on Baskets, she was just a really well-known and very well-respected stand-up comic. I don't think people understand how hilariously funny she is, and her and Chris are old friends, so she really is just the funniest person. She is. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Um, and then there's a new episode of the Percast, of course, Stephen, or Stephen Ray Morris. <laughs> he just wooed in the <laughs> Um And so here's a crossover, you guys. So this podcast will kill you. Another podcast on our networks, Erin Allman Updike is the guest this week, which is so cool. We met her and she's such an angel baby. Yep. And then last week, I think it was Lisa Hanawalt who created and animates Chuka and Birdie, also aka fucking Bojack Horseman. Mm-hmm. And she's a friend of the podcast as well. And yeah. it's just a lot of fun. And you talk about cats, but it's more than that. It is. If you don't like cats, you'll still like the podcast. There's more. There's more to be had. Yeah. What do you fucking want? Also, there's um, season four of The Fall Line just started. So it starts today. And of course, wrapping it up with the Exactly Right Network hit podcast. Uh, this podcast will kill you. This week, hookworms. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got so I went hookworms <laughs> when I I got so like I love this shit. Yes, and they have a great Instagram where they sh- they every episode when they whatever the topic is they show vintage like ads and posters and warnings and all the shit of whatever the fucking insanity is. Yes, and it's just really entertaining. It's great, and it was so fun. We got to meet Erin Alman Updike. She came to the studio, mm-hmm. and we all get to stand in the hallway. And that's the funniest thing is it, this is us bringing this network together um we haven't gotten all to stand together at any moment and go oh my god thank you welcome or whatever it was like our first face to face with her we still have to meet the other aaron she's in finland where steven where are aaron's yeah she's in finland but it was just so exciting because it's like to us it's all been this conceptual stuff we've been working on for two years and all of a sudden now we're all standing in the hallway giggling about the fact that it's really happening it's really exciting and meanwhile i'm in a three-piece suit yes what do people wear to offices yeah totally three tweed suits tweeds um hard shoes there's a cane dockers there's dockers everywhere in this office definitely boat boat shoes but there's and boats the cool (laughs) thing is that if um you have a podcast on this network we give you a super yacht Which I think uh, is more than fair. That's right. But it, that's actually the nickname for a disease that uh, next season this podcast <laughs> will kill you. It's going to cover Do Super you, Yacht. Have you ever had Super Yacht? You haven't been inoculated for the Super Yacht? Oh, oh shoot. You're going to need some Neosporin. <laughs> and Get your ass to Walgreens. <laughs> Go stand in Walgreens. Yeah. All uncomfortable. Uh, what else? I don't have anything. You know what we haven't talked about? And just can we please skip our 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 discussion timeline is so off because we've I been know. on the road for so long. I just need to f- have a three minute moment for the Madeline McCann series on <gasps> Netflix. All the series we haven't talked about. I know endless series, endless series. But that's the one that is because I don't. I haven't been watching a ton of them lately. Yeah. Um. So there have been a couple conversations where I'm just silently smiling while everyone else does it because yeah. I'm not going to say I want to watch it eventually. Yeah. But I have to pace it out. Um, sure. for myself, Madeline McCann, though. Oh shit. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. What was, okay. I got a little into it and was like, where is this going? Mm-hmm. And it made me really sad. Yes. Does, it's only bad. <laughs> it doesn't, you don't get out of that. Nope. No, they don't find okay. it keeps going down and down and down. And then you're like, well, this is the worst that could happen yeah. to these people. But it is absolutely not the worst. It's terrible and it's horrifying. A, yes. And it's a, a thing you need to know. And it's it's really well done. Yes. I did really enjoy watching it. I watched a lot of it. And then it's, a, yeah, it. it's very compelling. But I think yes. after a while, it like you get worn down yeah. by the reality of it. I mean, there's at one point, I'll just say this as a spoiler, like in like, Year three, they realized just no one had been looking for her at all for three years. There's things like that where you just, you think you know what this case is. Right. I think I know what the case is. I had a completely different opinion when I went in and even not finishing the series, I, you know, I'm heartbroken for her parents and it's just, it's just, I think I got really sick of listening to that one, uh, detective lie. The Portuguese cop. Yeah. I got sick of the Portuguese cop being able to say whatever the fuck he wanted on like i didn't like him to a point that made it too hard does he die Kara <laughs> <laughs> just made me Kara just made a face at me that was so like it, i know what it was it was way do you see what happens right well but <laughs> <laughs> does he die 
I mean, we're all going to die. I mean, so sure. Yeah, and I didn't mean to sound so excited about <laughs> someone's death. It was, I, this again is a spoiler and I'll only say it to you and then, I don't know, we can do with it what we will. I just wish I could it's see too the, much of a spoiler. face you made of me. It was like a, it was a, well, I have a secret and I'm Here, from the South. I'm like, I'm like this because I'm like, well, you didn't watch it, did yeah, you? And then well, she now I'm going to tell you. Her, her finger on her chin, like, well, I'll just wait for you to be stupid. <laughs> My enjoyment of my enjoyment of you not knowing isn't because I'm not <laughs> no, enjoying no. you being it's, stupid. It's uh, it, we all have that. But but it's almost like that thing where somebody is watching something and like I can't take it anymore and you turn it off right before the great and you're like happens. wait till you fucking see it. But let me just tell you. Okay. He makes a movie about his side of the story. Oh, I no. Did you watch that part? No, I only got to the book. I dip back in simply for the film that they released on Portuguese television that is the most bizarre propaganda weird thing you've ever seen i'm gonna dip my bandaged toe <laughs> yes into that water yeah even though i was told not to put in water <laughs> <laughs> you just made the face to me again okay oh, oh wait you, you didn't in. hear that's like gossip okay it's almost like these days that's yeah it's this that story I can't believe it. I so, really, it is, I love that it's out because I definitely was like, I think when you told me, have you watched it? I was like, well, the parents did it, right? And and then you watch, you're like, how could I have thought that? And it's like, this is, it's Because great. the media told you. Exactly. Because the tabloid media is evil, evil. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And they justify anything. They'll do anything to sell a paper, including like, you know, including the things that they did to the McCann's. It's right. just insane. Totally. And we have to watch the Mommy Dead and Dearest mm. fucking play, screenplay. Patty yeah. Arquette. Yes. Yes. I have to see that. I, I haven't seen wait. that yet. I actually was so excited and started watching it with Vince and he was like, I can't do this. Like, <sighs> watch it alone. Murdering us. Yes, probably. I, Munchausen's by proxy is so specifically awful. It's just dark. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, I'm not going to, no, I won't watch it. But dude, I can't wait. But it's not for people who are not. And I was like, what? This isn't anything. We can watch this. And he couldn't deal with it. No. No, no. It's because it's kids. I know. It's kids. I know. It's terrible. But God bless Patty Arquette. What a talented actress who's persevering. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the fact that she is Munchausen. (laughs) No, we're not spreading that. No, this isn't a documentary about Patty Arquette's Munchausen by proxy. Stop spreading that rumor. That's ludicrous. And and the idea that even that you gossip at all is sad. Truly. What is wrong with you? (laughs) We like Um, to berate listeners. and Just get them in line a little bit. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. 
Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. I I would swear that I'm first. Is that right? Yes. Oh, it must feel great. Well, this is also the, I feel like the first time we've done two in a row in the studio in like four years. Two in a row. And we've been home for more than three days. Yeah. I feel like I'm living my life. I'm getting MRIs. I had one <laughs> dinner with a friend. I'm just like, <laughs> you're out and about. Look at me doing things like a normal human being. I am, uh, I have reached a level of cuddling with my dogs. <gasps> that Aww. is, I feel like my dog George ha- is having a real emotional impact from me being gone so much yeah. because she gets up into the bed and then cut and snuggles up onto my shoulder oh, where I'm like, we're here. Like, I can't, you can't get closer to me. And she and wants to be like, I want, if you leave, I want to feel it. I want to know. Yeah. Oh, it's very sad. Also, she's the size of a small horse. So it's not like <laughs> normal cuddling yeah, with yeah. pets. It's like, oh, look, the horse is here. <laughs> the, 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 need, the needy, emotionally needy horse is here. You're her emotional support Karen <laughs> that's right oh god I'm wearing I'm wearing a little blue vest when she's around oh you're okay George and she's like you can touch her it's okay <laughs> to strangers who are like what, okay, you can what kind of dog are you <laughs> what kind of dog are you that's sad and sweet and it's we're very sad leaving this weekend um yeah but the but I'm gonna take them to the to the old dog camp so they oh. they never know because it is water and pools and stuff like that i mean take me there for okay. a fucking weekend okay please take <laughs> me there please well i'm first great so here we go okay karen yes you know i love some fucked up shit yeah you do shit that goes all the way to the top <laughs> right i always say oh are you gonna tear down some major established uh maybe pool? yeah this is the mysterious death of karen silkwood <gasps> yes why haven't either of us done this or thought of it I know. at all did I know. you watch the movie Mo- yes i will get to that okay sorry i i tried i yes i've seen the movie i tried to watch it again it's available nowhere right really surprisingly except on youtube of course and um it's it's available 
on YouTube in the left-hand corner of the screen. <laughs> Perfect. And the rest of it is someone's like screensaver uh space it's yes. like like literally outer space well you coming know, at you that's how the director wanted it to be seen <laughs> that's the original intent was that it was yeah. going to be shot and presented that way you can't understand all the words no but why you would get you the gist yeah so I, I did my best and i watched a lot of it great <laughs> but if you're i bet you anything your fucking dad has a v- vhs copy of it if he does i'm telling you that you're getting the combination of a fresh 80s share oh and then meryl streep at the height of her shit she is so fucking good in this movie and share is amazing yeah as we all know everybody's everybody's got a hairstyle in that movie that oh. i go like i need that hair yeah. that is the hair that would make me seem just generally appealing. I could see Cher's hair on you. Like yes. the big curly long thing. It's what I've always wanted. You need that. But I, Cher has the perfect face for it because she has like a long, dramatic, you know, very yeah. beautiful face. Like it doesn't hide behind her hair. Right. I have a Campbell's Soup Kid face. <laughs> so when I have dramatic hair like that, it looks like I put my mom's wig on and I'm running around the living room. Maybe you need to get a cut out of a Campbell's Soup can and wear it as a, <laughs> like around your, like, you know, like a, a sandwich board. Maybe you need that. And I could just make a, a little bit more money from the Campbell Soup people. Who's that? She's so beautiful. Oh, my God. She loves soup. <laughs> and I mean beautiful like the way a weird baby is beautiful. <laughs> she's soup and she's beautiful. She's super. <laughs> she's super beautiful. Shit. Okay. I've had a can of wine. All right. <laughs> Me too. Not really. <laughs> Did you eat that bug I killed? Okay. Karen. Webster's Dictionary (laughs) (laughs) defines the word whistleblower as one who reveals something covert or who informs against another. Wow. This is serious. And a martyr as a person who sacrifices something of great value for the sake of principle. Essentially, you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Story of our lives. Like, can we stop being not? I just like that you just started off your murder this week the exact way everybody started off their dramatic speech like presentations in high school, where it's like Webster's Dictionary defines a friend as. I was thinking more along the lines of a really bad uh, best man speech. Yes. Uh, Like all of those things combined. I did that. And there it was. So you did it and you did it. Great. I thought Thank you were going to go Webster's Dictionary defines a whistleblower as. <laughs> <laughs> I can't whistle, so I couldn't do that. Weet woo. Weet woo. Fuck, I missed an opportunity. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you were right. Let's edit that together. <laughs> this is why you're the fucking Cut script it. writer. Paste it. Yeah. Um, let's. Okay. So Karen Silkwood has been described as both those things by her supporters as well as a fucking crazy person by those who wanted to bring her down. Yeah, the mm. man. That's right. Let's get into it. Okay. Karen Gay Silkwood was born February 19th, 1946. She grew up in Nederland, Texas, which is about 100 miles from Houston. I forgot to tell you all the places that I got a lot of good information from. Cool. Um, uh, RomeroInstitute.org. There's this great podcast called uh, The Knower Dispatch by Lucas Stroh, who does uh, just Texas mysteries and murders and shit. Ooh, it's nice. Fun. Yeah. Oh, good. And uh, a bunch of Time Magazine articles and PBS articles. Like, everyone knows everything about this thing already, and they're way smarter than I am. But here we go. I took a little from everyone. It's, I mean, it's a story that's been around for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Karen Silkwood, she, and I didn't know this about her. She was super fucking smart in high school. She got all straight A's and she was really into chemistry, which I didn't realize. I thought she just got a job at a plant 
But no, she was really smart. After graduation, she got a full scholarship to study medical technology at Lamar, which this is in the early 70s. And women didn't get this fucking like opportunity as much, right? Right. I mean, I would assume. Sure. Yes. I think she was the only, there's something like that. She was the only female on her, in her science class or, you know, that's not right. So she, uh, but during her first year of school, she accidentally falls in love with a dude. <laughs> accidentally. I mean, I, that's how it feels to me. Okay. And drops out of school to elope and have three children. Sure. You know, the old trope. Sure. Um, but love, it, the old trope love. <laughs> yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> In 1972, they have a, they're having fallouts and shit. He's cheating on her and she and her husband separate. And part of the terms of their separation is that he gets full custody of the children, which I'm sure there's some crazy story that is not told that we don't understand. So she leaves the family. She visits the kids often, but they were really young kids at that point. Which yeah. sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. It's like you want to think of her as this, like, but that sucks. But what can you do? You don't know the circumstances. Yes. So. She leaves her children behind and she moves to Oklahoma City and she finds a job in nearby Crescent, Oklahoma at the Keir McGee plant. It's a, and Keir McGee is a power, powerful energy based conglomerate, one of the big wigs and a big wig in Oklahoma's nuclear power industry, which I guess is a big fucking scene. Okay. I mean, I didn't know that. Is it still to this day? I doubt it. Pro. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to stop asking questions. I don't know why I keep doing that. Well, I think that whole area in that part of Texas, as far as the Nowhere Dispatch tells me, is that that is a big fucking industry for oil and for power and energy. Like, yes. They, there's probably a lot of rich people there. A hundred. I, I bet that's very true. Yeah. A lot of people working for them. Yeah. So. And all kind of, like it's the energy, it's um oil industry, but then like the, that money begets alternative energies and totally, you know, from growing up. All anyone was ever trying to figure out is how to basically harness nuclear fission. Why am I trying to talk no, about this? this I mean, I want to hear your okay, opinion great. about this and I want to hear your thoughts on Silkwood, the movie, because I, you know, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I still want your opinion on this because yeah, yeah. you remember this. Shit. It just feels like that's it was really the direction where people are like, you know, better living through chemistry. But it's a it's an area where that it can't really be controlled the way people say. And it became scary at some point, like. In the 50s, you see all the nu nuclear technology and people were really gung-ho on it. But this is the time when it started to kind of not be so popular. Right. Okay. So, uh, so she gets a job um, and she's stoked to get back into her passion of science after having stayed home to raise kids and shit. And she gets a job as a metallography technician at the plutonium plant. And she essentially helps make plutonium fuel rods for nuclear reactors. Wow. Just makes me think of the opening credits of The Simpsons. <laughs> yes. That's all I know about When that. the fuel rod just bounces away. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like The Simpsons probably stole some of this off of, you know. I think The Simpsons is entirely based on Silkwood and they just don't, <laughs> they won't acknowledge it. Marge is Karen Silkwood. They won't acknowledge Okay, so her duties there include polishing fuel rods packed with radioactive plutonium pellets. Fun. Yeah. Of course, we know plutonium is one of the world's most deadly poisons. I'm sure the girls at this podcast will kill you. could tell you all about it. Yes. Uh, it's highly radioactive. Um, and Kira McGee had gone out of its way to downplay the dangers of it, of course, in their like employee handbooks and shit. It's health manual saying in capital letters... You ready for our new shirt? Yeah. Radiation is safe. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's our new shirt. Oh, that's good. Radiation is safe. Yeah. But all caps. 
Yeah. Screaming it. Diagonal. And then with some like kind of lightning bolt things coming from yeah. the side and it's coming out like a shooting star. And underneath it says, don't worry about it. Real small. Yeah. We got you. Yeah. We got you. Radiation yeah. is safe. Okay. So, um, and this is true if the metal only comes in contact outside the body, but so it's kind of true. They were kind of lying. Um, but when, once it enters the body through the nose or mouth, there's this barrage of these subatomic like bullets into soft tissue that wreaks havoc on your body. And, um, a dust sized speck of plutonium, plutonium is widely thought to be able to cause cancer if caught in the lung. Like that's all it takes. Dust size. Yeah. Shit. Right. Not good. So while at the plant, uh, Karen Silkwood joins the oil, chemical, and atomic workers union, which in the 70s, the unions were fucking hip as shit, right? Well, they were very necessary. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. There was a lot of workers. Because also, when you first started talking about this, I was like, wait, this is not Norma Ray. This is a different Sally movie Field. than Norma Ray because the same era. Like, yeah. Norma Ray was slightly earlier, and that was basically about unionization. Yes. But Both great movies. Same feel. Powerful yes. women getting it done in real life yes um so she uh she joins this union which is you're right very necessary there's a strike not long after she joins um the strike fails which led to a bunch of the workers there leaving the union but karen stayed and uh part of the reason is because she was elected to the bargaining committee of the union which was the she was a first fucking woman to be uh in this position, mm. which is huge, which I'm sure made her not want to quit the union, even yes. if she's mad at them for, you know, not whatever. Um, so as this uh, bargaining committee member, she's charged with investigating health and safety issues at the plant. And as she did, she began to find some red flags. She sees spills, falsification of inspection records, inadequate training, health regulation violations, and enough missing plutonium to make multiple nuclear weapons <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> where did it go you buried the lead yeah but also people aren't putting the container back That's on the, right. the, <laughs> the cottage cheese in the refrigerator which there's spores i mean can we please clean up after ourselves jesus missing plutonium your mother doesn't work here yeah <laughs> what if it said that over the plutonium your mother doesn't work here put it back put it back um so in the summer of 1974 Karen Silkwood testifies to the Atomic Energy Commission in Washington, D.C., which is a big fucking deal. And I'm sure they didn't get a lot of women doing that about all the findings she finds at Cure uh, McGee. So at this point, it's possible she's pissed off a few different groups of people. Yes. Okay. So there's the people who had our, the people who are workers there who had left the union and saw that she stayed and she was a scab and that pissed them off. Right. Them. The company itself, Karen McGee, who was like, keep your fucking mouth shut. Um, and they were pissed off. And also the workers who were worried that all these proposed government checks that she was trying to get into place would make the plant close down and leave them without a job. Right. So that she, you know, she riled shit up. And uh, also dudes who didn't like women in power. <laughs> I mean, simple as fucking that. Sure. Well, and I think there's that thing of um, there's that's the problem with like if there if there was issues with the union and then all those workers left um, but she stayed because basically she's like, but this has to get solved because this is going to like, right. you have to solve it at some point because the option can't be 
no more union yeah. when it's still the workers with you know trying to deal with the company yeah and we need the union to get to the bigger picture even yeah. if we're not thrilled with the union and those the, the workers left the union they didn't let leave their jobs right they still work there with her oh okay so yeah. she's still in the union they leave the union they leave the they're union. so okay got right, it but they stay with the jobs yeah so, so she's got enemies fucking everywhere it seems that way which and is, she's right, which is the worst right. fucking feeling. So that's part of this whole mystery of her death. So on November 5th, 1974, she does a routine check, which you see in the movie. You just have to like, kind of like put your hand over, um, you know, some kind of uh, scanner and it beeps and fucking goes crazy. If you have plutonium, you don't want it to happen. It happens to her. So she discovers she has been exposed to over 400 times the legal limit of plutonium. So some people think that it was done purposely as a retaliation by one of those groups. That's like right. one of the things. That she would expose herself to 400 times plutonium no, radiation? No, that one of the workers like put it in her gloves that they knew she was going to have. Like they purposely um, made her get a plutonium poisoning. Yes. Yeah. So that's one of the theories. Um, Karen herself thought it was a deliberate act by those in power at Kier McGee, which is another option. And of course, it very well could have been because one of the many safety issues that were going on at the plant, because at Kier McGee, there were issues between 1970 and 1975. There were guess how many reported exposures to plutonium there were between five years. Um, let's see. If there if there was five a year, that would be bad. And that's twenty five. Five hundred and seventy four. No, God. Uh uh. Uh uh. So it just was a constant. So yeah. if you worked at this power plant, you would probably die of radiation, essentially, well, or get some kind of a cancer. Yeah, and of course, then you have their doctor saying that that's the legal. That's less than the legal amount that you're like allowed to be exposed to. It won't cause cancer. You'll be fine. You know, that kind of debate going on. Of this like, is a real Aaron Brockovich situation. hundred percent. Where it's just like pg going, it's okay that you're being, your poison is being leached into right. your groundwater. Well, it's the thing with like, and this is not the same, but like with peanut butter, you can have 0.5% insect parts in it. Yes. And you're like, well, I don't want any insect parts. And that's like, well, don't eat peanut butter then. Yes. I don't, you know. Right, exactly. But the, it's almost like the company is saying, look, we're all going to get poisoned by yeah. plutonium. Yeah. Let's grow up. Here's how much. You only had a little. Yes. Fuck up, motherfucker. Yeah. Where it's, but it's that thing. And I'm sorry to equate it, because, but I do love the movie Aaron Brockovich. But when they sit down to negotiate with the pg e lawyers, and they're fighting back and forth, and then one of the lawyers takes a sip of water, and she goes, oh, we had that brought in <gasps> from um, Hanford or yes. you know, Lamar or wherever they were in Central California. And they like freeze yeah. where it's those motherfuckers who would never take the treatment that they are insisting other right. people live with. They would never let their kids drink Flint fucking Michigan water. No ever. way. But they're saying it's, a you're, fine. it's fine. It's you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Take a shower in that. You're fine. And it's we don't owe bullshit. you clean water, too. Yeah. Meanwhile. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Um. So, and here's where I need you to explain a little bit about Silkwood showers. <laughs> Not explain, like, to, you know, I think that you'll word it very well because I didn't do it well. But um, Silkwood showers have been like a joke. Like, I need to go home and take a Silkwood shower after being that bar because I stink. Or yes. like, oh, that guy talked to me. I need a Silkwood shower. It's like a joke. But 
it actually means something. Um, it's a de- decontamination shower. So when she um, put her hand over that fucking alarm thing and the alarms go off, they grab her and in the movie, drag her to the decontamination showers, yeah. which are humiliating and awful. And you get stripped down and you get held in place and scrubbed with a fucking like wire brush. And they say to you, don't cry. It'll make it hurt worse because your the tears, <laughs> the salt of your tears get into the raw skin and it hurts worse. Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that part. I didn't know the part about the wire. That seems... I might have... I might be embellishing on the wire, <laughs> but it looks like a wire... It looks like a wire brush in the movie. Yeah, I mean, either way, yeah. even if it's the softest brush in the world, yeah. to have, like, three adults brushing you as you're as they're trying to get contamination off you is horrifying. And it seems like that's set up in a way where it doesn't need to be that humiliating, but some pervo set it up yeah. where that's the way it turned out. Well, you're being treated like, I hate to say cattle because I think they should be treated better, but that's essentially... And in the movie, um, I remember the movie... Uh, oh, fuck, what was that Angelina Jolie movie that was so good? God, there's been so many. Fuck, hold on. Um, there was the one where her child goes yes, missing and one. she yells, changeling. The changeling, and she gets put in an insane asylum and they wash her like that. Yes. Do you remember that? And yes. One of the, one of the washers... Is Ricky Lindholm? Is it for real? <laughs> yeah, from Garfunkel notes. <laughs> Fun fact, everyone. That's amazing. I remember watching it and like Ricky Lindholm. What are you doing, Ricky? <laughs> um, there was uh, there's also a movie that Bo Derek starred in. It was Tarzan mm. uh, from I believe 1980, and it it was post. Uh, after she was in the movie 10 with Dudley Moore mm-hmm. and she became this uh, humongous sex symbol of the very, very early 80s or late 70s with her uh, braids. island braids. Yeah. Her culturally inappropriate braids. Yes. Now back in 77 when everyone it was more of a celebrated thing to <laughs> exploit other cultures. But <laughs> um, but she then was in this movie. I think it was called Tarzan. Um, I think there was more to that name. Mm-hmm. But she is the daughter of the scientist that's going to find the ape man in, in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And she gets caught by natives and they wash her against her will. And it's very erotic. This is it's so sexy. It's very like Cinemax after dark type of shit of <laughs> me and my cousin Nancy sitting up and going, what's this? Like, this is just the movie. We're allowed to watch this. I know. It's not our fault that Tarzan turned dirty, but... <laughs> Literally, she's being washed. It's super weird and like it's uh, very uncomfortable. And she's like kind of whining. And she, at one point, she goes, "They're washing me like a horse." <laughs> <laughs> you should be so lucky. <laughs> but it rem- it's the same thing. But it's more of the um, a sexy version of it. There's got to be some fucking weirdo who made like a two minute clip of sh- women sh- being showered in movies. That's just so unpleasant. Yes, and in the background, there's the. Um, outer space <laughs> screensaver. <laughs> yes. You can see them all on YouTube that's right now right. if you know what to look up. Right. There's an, a scene like that that's also in, I think it's one of those um, sh- Flowers in the Attic style oh. movies where someone gets washed. Yeah, moms, against their I feel will. like moms do it a lot to their daughters in the in DC movies. Andrews series. Yeah. <laughs> You're unclean. <laughs> Ble- bleach bath. It's like, no. No, don't do that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, hot invasive showers disinfect and decontaminate, etc. Okay, so she's sent home, and they're like, "Collect your shit and your piss, and we're gonna test it." Yeah, I'm uh, sure they said it differently, but yeah. how humiliating is that? All of it. It's is. like a further humiliation, a little bit. 
Um, so she checks into work one morning shortly after this and they test her and she registers high radiation levels again. Um, but then she was like, check my fucking car and check, you know, and there was, and check my locker and there was no radiation in there. So there's something going on where she was getting it there. Um, and so Kira McGee dispatches a decontamination squad to her house to test her house and they detect uh, levels of plutonium in the bathroom and the kitchen and she says when she was trying to get her her urine sample she's you know spilled and that's why it was there and they find it in food in the refrigerator the word baloney happens a lot you know, a lot of baloney talk a lot of baloney talk okay. I don't want to go there <laughs> Um, just deli meats at all or bologna specific specifically bologna which is my least favorite deli meat it's pretty gross it's in my refrigerator right now because i married a michigan guy <laughs> oh that's right he does he like a fried bologna sandwich oh every he once sure while? does and yeah. listen he's not wrong look look and listen i had a bologna and cheese sandwich every day for like three years in grammar school <gasps> do you hate it now i just don't even think about it yeah like hot dogs i don't think about it <laughs> i think about hot dogs do you oh i can do hot dogs at any moment corn dogs Stop it right now. No, I know you love a mini corn dog. When we go to like a gastro pub <laughs> somewhere in St. Louis or whatever, and they have mini corn dogs, it's just like ding, ding, ding. It's George's birthday. Gastro pubs are fine, but I like a fucking dirty ass bowling alley full size corn dog. A real Even deal corn dog. Just as much. Yeah. I don't need no fucking dipping aioli or whatever. <laughs> you know? I don't need your fucking dipping aioli. Keep your aioli to yourself, <laughs> pervert. Okay. But. Her house is fucking ransacked while they do it. Like, and, and it seems in a way that's like a warning. It could be seen as a warning, too. Like, yeah. uh, you know, everything's taken. Pictures of her children are taken. Like, because there's plutonium in there. But it's also like, you know, this is what happens to you. Maybe. Could be. One could read it that way. It's certainly not a friendly <laughs> search. No. Okay. That's right. So on November 7th, um, plutonium contamination is found in her lungs and she's sent to the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico for further testing. And then she gets back. So that was November 7th. She gets back and it's November 13th and she's like, she's at her wit's end. And she's like, fuck this shit. I'm going public with all the information I have that I found when I was doing my kind of covert checks. Um, she'd gathered enough evidence documenting the plant's wrongdoing, and it contained documents proving that the Kiermagee Nuclear Corporation was, A, missing 40 pounds of 98% pure bomb-grade plutonium. Let's find that bomb-grade! You, you want that listed first, apparently. I'm going to start um, <laughs> describing things as bomb-grade. That's right. This is a fucking bomb-grade corndog, <laughs> if, I, if I could say so myself. Yes! Um... Did I already say that that was enough to make four atomic bombs as powerful as the one that destroyed Hiroshima? Did I, I say, did I copy and paste? Uh, I don't think you read that particular copy and paste. It's That's a powerful piece right. of information. That's right. So that's what's missing. Uh-huh. That alone shouldn't get you like beaten up or your no. picture's broken or whatever. It that should, should be, be like, thanks so much. Let's go find it. Yeah. Let's fix this. It's a little problematic. Mm -hmm. So that night, that evening, she goes to a meeting uh, for the union. And then uh, in the evening, she is seen leaving. It's November 13th, 1974. She's fucking 28 years old. Oh, my God. Which Can you imagine like being such a I mean, I guess when you're in your 20s, you're ballsy as fuck. But like that is brave. This is a woman going up against everybody. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Everybody. Exactly. Tough. Um, so she is on her way to a meeting in Oklahoma City. She's going to meet the National Union representative of her of the unions, obviously and a New York Times reporter. Mm. And 
And the last person who saw her walking to her car said they saw her with a folder full of documents and photos that she said was going to fucking prove her case. Yes. Right. As she drove to that meeting on a dark stretch of road, Karen's car goes off the road at a speed of about 45 miles per hour. It strikes a culvert and it kills her. Mm-hmm. Breaks. Breaks her cut. Well, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. That's a great question. Is that a question or is that a... It's a guess. Okay. Well, Oklahoma State Troopers show up. They surmise that she had fallen asleep at the wheel. Uh-uh. Um, because they, she did have quaaludes in there. And it did seem like that she had gotten a prescription because she was stressed the fuck out. Yes, I need some fucking quaaludes. Yeah. I mean, yes. truly. Either a prescription or from the back of Rolling Stone magazine. But you get <laughs> me some of those downers. Well, she went, yeah. She went straight to her doctor. She's Good. got no shame. Yeah. So they, uh, and then the drug test in her autopsy did show quaaludes in her bloodstream and a small amount of alcohol, which I mean, like, who among us at the <laughs> very moment no i would never we're Uh, on ludes everybody that's right and so that essentially for the authorities closes the case that it was a single driver accident she fell asleep while she was driving drove off the road okay however her family and her supporters are like there are brake marks remember you're like there aren't yeah brake marks yes there were brake marks she skidded for like something was there yes yes so how do you fall asleep and then skid i mean it's possible but um but I bet you that's not how it happens. Right. Because if you're asleep, you're asleep until you crash, usually, right? Yeah. Or you can wake up and try to right the car and overcorrect and shit. Yeah. But, you know, they their theory was that she was asleep the whole time and just went off the culvert. So that doesn't, it still doesn't add up. Um, and they're also, and this is more telling for me, there are dents and paint scrapes in her on her rear bumper. Yes. That, of course, leads everyone to believe that she was deliberately forced off the road by a trailing vehicle. And I think that this is a similar scenario to the China syndrome that came out late a little bit later. Mm. Was that also a true story? I don't know. But I think they took parts of that and made it real. In oh, the wow. Movie. Oh, okay. I'm not a filmmaker. Um, Wait a second. <laughs> you told oh. me. Oh, no, 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 no. That you made E.T. <laughs> I got into this whole fucking thing. <laughs> oh, shit. The filmmaking aspect. <laughs> Most suspicious is that the fucking documents were never found. Yeah. Yeah. Never, ever found. That's not... Quaaludes don't make documents disappear, they everybody. They sure don't. No. They don't fly out of the car and no one finds them. Yeah, usually, especially if you go into a culvert, that's when documents go all around the culvert. Everywhere. Yeah. So maybe they did and someone grabbed them and fucking gave them to the right person. Yeah. So that is highly suspicious to me. Um, and of course, investigative reporters pick up on this this crazy story. And there's a series of newspaper and magazine articles about the events leading up to her death. And and everyone at this point is kind of turning on nuclear power and energy and, and seeing how dangerous it is and also seeing how few um, checks and balances there are because they're making a shit ton of money off of them and the government's stoked on that. Yes. So... Um, the case is embraced by environmentalists, nuclear energy foes, feminists as well, and civil libertarians. So everyone's like, this is shady. Yeah. Great. So because of this publicity, there's a nationwide demand for an investigation. And um, a couple attorneys file a lawsuit on behalf of Karen Silkwood's children and father. Oh. I know. Um, not for wrongful death in her car accident. But for willful negligence leading to her plutonium contamination, mm-hmm. which is like such a s- sneaky thing to do. But that's smart. It's no, like I get him at the source. Yeah. Because you couldn't prove the car accident probably, but you can prove this shit. Right. So lawyers for Kier McGee argued that 
Karen Silkwood had snuck the plutonium out of the plant and intentionally contaminated it, contaminated herself to make them look negligent. <laughs> nope. So kamikaze style, she's going to make them look negligent yeah. by basically committing slow, right. terrible plutonium poisoning suicide. And did they have purse checks? Like when you work retail and they check your bag on the <laughs> way out? They had to have that. Remember those? How humiliating those were? That's so funny. Because we used to have those at the gas. Yes. Or I'd be like, my purse is so 90s small. I I didn't steal one of your rugby shirts, you yeah. assholes. And then when you were the manager and you had a purse check other people and you're like, I don't want to do this. Just steal something. Yeah. People, it, ours actually, it's funny because our all of our managers were super cool and everyone would just walk out and they just like, it was all a gesture. Yeah. Hold as your opposed bag. to like anybody rifling through your stuff. Right. Everyone knows put the pants, put the free shit in the um in the garbage bin back in the alley <laughs> then go then go out to your car and then be like i'm dumpster diving exactly for brand new i didn't know that was a thing people did i never did that not once not, and how dare you accuse me okay so that was their argument but then that argument too is like well that makes you look negligent that an employee could just walk out with like that's kind of a not a good argument. Right. So, like, either way, they look like they have fucking safety issues. Yes. Um, and, you know, if someone else had poisoned her in the plant, that's bad, too. So, they also said that Karen was emotionally unstable and her capacities have been fucked up from tranquilizer use. They're trying to, like, blame it on her. Said that they said They said that she was... In, in this fucking fight with her union and the company and that she wanted to prove that the plant was dangerous by any means and that she was a Webster's Dictionary definition of martyr. Yeah. Right. That was their argument. Which is insane. Like, w- what would the point... Like, it's that... I, the idea that that's even... A- they're able to present that as a logical argument yeah. when it's like... It's just a person trying to say you guys are lacking and you need to tighten your shit up. And, you know, I can understand the like, I'm going to show them by like maybe a layman who didn't understand the effects of plutonium and how actually how fucking detrimental it is. Like my sister and I used to break open the mercury thermometer and play with the mercury. <laughs> yeah. so it was super oh, no. fun. I told my mom that over the weekend and she lost her shit. <laughs> Do not have latchkey kids. That is so hilarious because I remember a thermometer breaking and my mother, who never freaked out about anything. Well, she was a nurse. Yes. But she was like, don't touch that. Like, oh, and really? I was like not anywhere near touching it or interested it's in like touching it. It's a tiny it. little silver thing. Yeah. And she it was the screaming of don't touch that and stay away from that. I'll never forget it because it was just like, shit. She actually gives a shit about something. <laughs> She's actually emoting toward like, us. Like, is that mercury worth money or something? Yeah. Why well, is she so worried about it? I guess it? now I have to put both hands into yeah. it, Mom. I mean, I guess it would explain a lot that I think my sister and I accidentally broke a couple thermometers <laughs> because the mercury was so... Oh, shit. Can can uh, this podcast will kill you, please? Yes. Do an episode about that. What if they're like, and the effects of mercury poisoning are toe tumors and a weird back. <gasps> and starting a podcast. <laughs> that makes no sense. And a love of canned wine. What? That's so specific. And a cross-eyed Siamese. I didn't even get him until he was a kitten. That's crazy. Okay. So... According to the book, The Killing of Karen Silkwood by Richard uh, Rashke, who's like, the like, this is the book about it. Um, the family's lawyers, he says they were harassed, they were intimidated, and even physically assaulted. One person, like, maybe skipped town and was never heard from again. Yeah. And one person, quote unquote, killed herself <gasps> before she had was scheduled to be a witness. 
Like some shady shit. Shit. Yeah. So in the end, the jury in the Silkwood versus Kira McGee awarded Silkwood's estate $10.5 million. Oh, shit. And that was in the early 80s, right? Yeah. Like 70... Blah, blah, blah. Late 70s? 74. Fuck. No, 76, 76-ish. 70, late 70s. That's fi- easily like 50, 80 million dollars That's now. how much it is. Is it really? I don't know. <laughs> 50, 80 million? 50, 80 million. That's 50 dash, it. 80 million. 50, 80 million. That elusive number. So not only was it the largest settlement in the history of American fucking judicial system. Yeah, it was. The case established new precedent in liability law. Our friend from the hot coffee McDonald's story story that we Mm -hmm. all fucking hate. I mean, not I don't hate. It sucks. It's the story. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, see, up until that time, there was a thing called the Price Anderson Act, which puts limits on civil liability pertaining to nuclear facilities. Sure there was. Yep. There's a cap on how much you can sue for us ruining your fucking life and your family. God, that's weird. I wonder how a cap, like a governmental cap, would yeah. get built into the law. That's so weird. And you would think that if something was so safe that you trusted it completely, you wouldn't need that because you trusted enough not to go wrong. And you'd think that the people that work in your government care enough about the citizens of its own country to not intentionally cover the ass of people who run things like nuclear power plants or maybe even banks. That's or like whatever. literally. The- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I love that we're on the same page because like literally my last sentence and when I was um, or my last paragraph and when I was writing it at home. Vince was home and I was like, yeah, you motherfucker. Like I was yelling shit. Okay. Yes. We're going to get there. Yep. Um, Okay. So then um, there was, so this case removed the limits. Yay. And pretty much ended construction of all nuclear power plants in the United States. Yeah. Great. We don't want them. On appeal, the amounts reduced to five grand. Oh my God. But then, um, they said they'll only cover the, the, um, destruction of Karen's personal belongings during the decontamination of her apartment. They're like, we'll get you a new couch and shit. That's all. And like, they agreed. But then that's over to the Supreme Court reverses that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Fuck, um, Jesus. and it was headed to retrial when McKeer, when Kier McGee settled out of court for 1.38 million. So, but they admitted no wrongdoing as part of the settlement. And, but either way, the plant is closed in 1976, 14 months after Karen Silkwood's death. Wow. Because of oversight shit. So now, okay, so now the general public has already been fucking starting to be anti-nuclear plants. Um, this makes it even worse, of course. And then March 28th, 1979, meltdown and radiation leak of the a reactor at the Three Mile Island. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I feel like there's so many, like, fr- it's from this time period of, like, I can hear Three Mile Island or Chernobyl or, you know, Silkwood and get, like, this is, it, like, creeps. Even though I don't remember the details, it's like, this is something very fucking bad. Yeah, because, you know, well, for me, um, it, being, like, uh, you know, eight or nine yeah. when that happened, it's back when there was only um, network television news, right. network news, national news. And it was on like at seven. And then you watched it then. And everybody watched the same shit. So when Three Mile Island melted down, we all sat there watching. There was just a helicopter shot of over Three Mile Island and them just talking about how we don't know what how we're going to contain it. We don't know if it's going to go into the water supply. Yeah. Like this entire thing where everyone was frozen in this realization that this had gone out way too far past anyone's control. Right. And 
again, it's that feeling of like you can't trust the people that are making these decisions because they're going to pick a monetary gain over safety every fucking time. And that's why all those, I think all those like eco, that's how the Greenpeace eco, um, like warriors came about because they were like, these people won't be stopped. They're, they're truly sociopaths and they're not going to be affected by it. You, the people who have no decision over whether it happens or not are going to be the ones whose children have to drink that water. Yes. Who have to breathe that. I mean, everyone has to breathe that air, but you know. Yeah. And it's, it's similar to like Flint, Michigan, where it's like they will, they will poison all of us for $11 and another yacht. They will yeah. fucking do anything for money. These people that are in charge that rise to the top because sociopaths rise to the top. Meglo fucking maniacs. And you yeah. think they're going to stop and be like, well, I don't need that extra 15 cents on the dollar. So yeah. let's just, let's make them good water. No, yeah. they're not going to do that. They're never going to do that. Right. No. Uh, okay. So that happened. Three Mile Island happens. Um, in 1983, the Academy Award nominated movie Silkwood starring Meryl Streep. Share. Kurt Russell. Um, sheds more light on Karen Silkwood's suspicious death and the issues with the nuclear power industry. And as a result, Karen Silkwood's story kind of opens the public's eye to all of this shit going on. Yep. And in the years since that happened, she's become a martyr for unionist whistleblowers and those opposed to nuclear power. And while it's no doubt that it's like not a question she had been exposed to plutonium, there are still questions of, you know, people still say, did she deliberately contaminate herself? Did she come into contact with it because of lacking safety standards at the plant? Or if her death was a deliberate act by the all-powerful nuclear industry that had been enjoying the lax rules imposed on it by a government whose main concern wasn't the safety of its citizens, but of the military, industrial, congressional complex, and the few elite wealthy Illuminati. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. I was tired. Who unbeknownst, <laughs> unbeknownst to plebes like us have sole influence on public policy. We can fucking vote all they want, all we want. Yeah. That part out. It's those lobbyists. Yeah. No, I mean, this is, this is, Everything that I think is coming to to a head right now in our culture is basically what Donald Trump represents is that unchecked megalomaniac and sociopathic greed, greed, no greed above all money above all. And in in a way where it's like that idea of like, why would you why would you fight to keep a thing that's killing all these people so that you can buy another boat when you won't be able to sail anywhere because everything's going to be dead. It's yeah, like, but it's they, the they think it's going to happen anyway, so they want to be safe and they don't want to share any of it. I mean, and then you see shit like my mom and I who don't get along and I we scream at each other because we have differing views of whether or not Donald Trump should be fucking president. But it's like they want us please to yell at each other about it because then we won't we won't spend time looking at the bigger picture which yes. is that we're fucking puppets yes and this is this greedy fucking and ins- you know both sides are these greedy megalomaniacs there's a few good people out there not enough not enough um and i yes i think it goes all the way to the top it goes all the way to the top and i think maybe what they didn't see coming and couldn't imagine having to contend with is fucking Karen Gay Silkwood. Yeah. And they had to put her down for that. Mm-hmm. And that's the mysterious death of Karen Gay Silkwood. Wow. That's like, it's so odd because it's so relevant today. Yeah. It's all that stuff. Union stuff. It's like, yeah, it's the workers and people. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I wish I had an education because it's really, <laughs> it's quite a discussion. Sure. But I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, people can, 
people can make a difference. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think Karen Silkwood in the midst of that shit that she went through maybe even thought it was worth it because yeah. let's let's actually try to think that out for a second they're accusing her that she intentionally poisoned herself with plutonium to sh- to set up um her the nuclear power plant right. she worked at to make them seem less safe that still doesn't account for all the missing right. plutonium right so if she did that in order to draw her the eye to it then we owe her a, a debt of gratitude yeah because that plutonium still gone who owns it where did they sell it to who can make a nuclear bomb if you ask the dude who wrote the killing of karen silkwood it's to our own government yeah and we sold that plutonium to other countries sure and if you look into our past governments look into it it's not a surprise look into it and tell us what you find i don't want to look into it because i just watched the madeline mccann documentary and it was hard really hard you can't handle more of that i just don't need any more of the mercenary psychopaths in this world that will do anything for money yeah it's just such a bummer it's such a bummer uh wow that's that was great (laughs) thank you that was a that was a fun a pseudo discussion and we just dive <laughs> deep georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com Goodbye So, okay, I'm obsessed with Chernobyl Yes The photographer, friend of the podcast Robin Von Swank She fucking went to Chernobyl And took all these photos And talked to the people who still live there Who wouldn't leave, like the grandmas and shit So Von Swank curiosities There's just a shit ton of the most gorgeous Abandonment porn in Chernobyl of all fucking places. And that's, that's such an amazing use of her talent. She's, yes. she is the same photographer. She took our picture that we use now, the most current picture. And oh, then yeah. she also took the Murder Squad Boys picture. That's right. That, that, um, it looks like, it looks like it's a podcast picture. It also looks like they're a really rad alt country band. Yeah. Or they, they're like joint authors of a like, like crime novels. Sure. Which I guess they kind of are. I don't know. I mean, they kind of, it's yeah. true, true one. She's super talented. Go and look at all of Robin Vance, Von Swank's, Van Swank, all of Robin Von Swank's stuff. Cause she's amazing. Yeah.
All right. Tell me a story. Do you want, do you want to hear a story? I just, I just cracked a new can of wine. <laughs> I can finally sit back and listen instead of trying to spout. You relax for once. <laughs> Why don't you can take it mom easy? Mom, have a night off. <laughs> it has wings. <laughs> the darn thing's got wings. <laughs> um, so this is the, this is a story and there is so much more to it. Um, but, it's one of those ones that happened at the end of last year. Because uh, you know how every once in a while I like to do a let's update true crime happening in the real world. A freshie. Um, a freshie. Like the time that I reported on the guy that had all the leaves in his fucking <laughs> living room and it was from seven years prior. Um, uh-huh. I like a freshie. Okay. So, oh, which. Oh, um, yeah. We met. Um, and it, now I'm going to guess and say that that was in Des Moines. Right. We met women who knew that murderer who had the leaves in his living room and had um, plastic bags of leaves pinned up to his all across his wall. Go look at a photo of it. It's as creepy as it sounds. It's really crazy. And one of these women who somehow knew him, I can't remember if it was like some distant relative or ex-workmate or whatever. They said it wasn't that they believed it was purely for insulation right. because he wasn't paying for the heating in his home. So he's just taking the leaves, which I said, he's really going out of his way. You know, it's like, I get that. And it's like, but he, it's still a fucking bananas solution. It's a like, banana solution. It's a banana solution. Executed bananas leaf. Right. And it doesn't make you more sane, but it makes sense. It's, there's a, there's, at least there's a line of logic to it. Yes. But it's still, so it's not just like leaves everywhere. I love, love, yeah. Is he jerking off into these leaves? Ew. But at the same time, yeah. Uh, don't, don't kill people. Please don't kill people. And if you feel like you need to bring the outside indoors, which is, you know, design wise, it's a great aesthetic. But if you're, if you're being literal about it, uh, call a friend. Get a yurt. Um, get a yurt. Uh, so this is the story that, um, happened at the end of last year where a serial killer named Sam Little made a confession mm. because he had been arrested in a cold case. Do you remember this? I'll, uh, not I'll by tell name. you more because I'm not telling you anything. I wish right that, now. yeah. What if you were like, and I'm the not end. telling you anything? Guess until you know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I got most of this information from um, an L.A. Times article written by James Queely, Q-U-E-A-L-L-Y, um, from when it came out. There was also an amazing article uh, in the cut, the, on the website, The mm-hmm. Cut. Good one. And the uh, title was The Serial Killer and the Less Dead, in, and Less Dead was in quotes, mm-hmm. written uh, by a writer named Jillian Lauren. And that thing was very long and very involved. Um, and then, of course, the great... Great Wikipedia. So anyway. Oh, yeah. Shout out. So much of this shit. I mean, I had to look up nuclear industrial complex just to make sure I was saying it right. Were you clicking, clicking with it? Link Uh within link. You're Uh on four pages in. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Wikipedia. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. (laughs) So it has wings. (laughs) Darn thing called Wikipedia has got wings. Okay. So in 2012, there is a detective on the LAPD cold case team. The lead detectives at the time uh, was named Mitzi Roberts. Yes. Which I love because uh, it's she sounds like someone that would book like the improv in the 80s. Yeah. Like, oh, did Mitzi put you on? <laughs> That's from the comedy store. But 
Um, so she was the lead uh, cold case detective and she brought her team to Louisville, Kentucky with an arrest warrant for a 72 year old man named Sam Little. Um, they brought him back to California to face three charges of murder. He was convicted and he was sent to jail without parole. Uh, and that seemed to be that until last May 2018, when a tre- Texas Ranger named James Holland came into town to talk to Sam Little and thus began a conversation that four months later evoked a stunning confession that Sam Little had murdered over 90 women oh. across the United States. Holy shit. Do you remember this? Yes. Okay. And did he... Did he come in from Texas on horseback? That's how I picture it. The Texas Ranger that came in? A million gallon hat, whatever they call him. Yes, he did. He, uh, (laughs) it was a big horse, uh, called an airplane. And, uh, (laughs) but I think Texas Rangers still do wear the hat. That's part of the uniform. Cool. Is the hat and like, I think really tight Wrangler jeans. Yeah. And like, uh, I'll look it up. And then, and then a cowboy shirt from Lee Western wear. Great. Okay. Junior section. Right. Okay. So this man, Samuel Little, was born on June 7th, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia. Um, and he claimed his mother worked as a sex worker. She gave birth to him uh, during a prison stint. Um, once she gets out, they move to Lorraine, Ohio. Um, she is is still a teen. Oh, she's, I think she was 19 at the time. Oh, honey. Um, so, he is abandoned basically and raised by his grandmother. Um, so it's a tough, the start of life is very tough for him. Mm-hmm. He's a bad student. He constantly gets into trouble. So there's other stuff going on. In 1956, he's still in high school. He gets arrested for the first time for breaking and entering, um, on private property in Omaha, Nebraska. We've been there. We've been there and we know what it's like. We love it. <laughs> um, he serves time in, in juvie briefly. Once he's released, he goes back to Ohio, drops out of high school, starts his life of crime. So in 1961, he breaks into a furniture store in Lorraine and gets uh, arrested and he's sentenced to three years in jail. So he gets out in 1964. Um, in the late 60s, he moves to Florida because that's where his mom is. Um, he picks up odd, jo- odd jobs there. He's an ambulance attendant. He's a cemetery worker. Wow. He's a day laborer, but he makes sure to keep up with his passions, petty theft and fist fighting. It's, they're hard to give up. I mean, <laughs> have when you try? really have the love. <laughs> and when you're good at it. And when you can combine the two. Oh, uh. what a high. <laughs> during one stretch in jail, he takes up boxing. So he's doing like basically. Don't let. Don't do that. Yeah, I mean, that's what else are you going to do? Shouldn't be allowed in prison. Um, he starts getting serious about his training. It never really goes anywhere, but he basically trains to be like a, a middle heavyweight boxer. Okay. Um, that's an honest fucking job. I mean, le- if you're being, if you're honest, if you're going to be honest <laughs> yeah. about it and not a creepo. Right. Um, then over the next 10 years, um, Sam drifts from town to town. He makes a living shoplifting, stealing money. He spends the majority of his money on alcohol and drugs. He hangs out with sex workers and their pimps. By 1975, so in in a bad 70s exploitation movie yeah. uh, or black exploitation movie, he would be referred to as a bad dude. 
Okay. Uh, it's just, that's my opinion. That's yeah. editorializing. In 19, by 1975, he's been arrested 26 times. Shit. In 11 different states. Damn, going for a record. Yeah, so he's all over. Yeah. Uh, and the charges include theft, assault, attempted rape, fraud, and just to change it up, attacks on government officials. So seven years later, uh, September of 1982, a 22-year-old woman named Melinda LaPree goes missing in... Pascagoula, Mississippi. That sounds right. I mean, it felt good. Yeah. No one in Mississippi listens to this podcast, (laughs) so we're never going to be corrected on that. Uh, We'll see. Okay. And here come the letters (laughs) through the letter slot. The digital letters. Um, Okay. So, Melinda LaPree is a sex worker, and um, Sam Little was known to have spent time with her. So, that plus his very long record Mm -hmm. gets him arrested for Melinda LaPree's murder. But a grand jury declines to indict him. Mm. Um, While he's being investigated for Melinda LaPree's murder, he becomes a suspect in the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Mount in Florida. Um, so when, when the jan- grand jury passes on indicting him for, for, um, Melinda LaPree's murder in Mississippi, he's transferred to Florida where he is then tried for the murder of Patricia Mount. And during this trial, witnesses testify that they saw Sam Little with Patricia Mount the night before her disappearance, but without any other damning evidence, the prosecution's case falls apart. Ugh. And in January of 1984, Little is acquitted of Patricia Mount's murder. Fuck. So then he immediately moves to San San Diego. I so in October of 1984, less than a year out of prison, Sam Little is arrested once again for the kidnapping, beating, and strangling of 22-year-old Lori Barros, who was left. He left her on the side of the road for dead, but she was not fucking dead. Yes. She was playing dead um, until he left. She survives. She reports the crime to the authorities, Ugh. and she identifies Sam Little as her attacker. But there's a delay. It takes the police about a month to find Sam Little. Mm-hmm. And when they do, he's in the same place where he assaulted Lori Barros the month before. And w- so when they find him, he's there yeah. with another woman no. that he has just strangled who's unconscious in his car, oh my in the backseat of his car. God. So they arrest him and the woman survives. Oh, so they get there like just fucking in time. But I'm so, I know what's going to happen now. Like, this is the part where everyone in the audience claps. Yes. And then you turn to them, or one of us turns to them and says, why are you, you what? know how why? this is going to go. Don't clap now. Yeah. Don't clap it's, now. I have four pages left yeah, in my You're going to break your own heart. Yes. Yes. That's that's how this always is. Because yeah. y- you can see it so clearly in hindsight. If, if Lori Barrows comes to the police and says, this man just attacked me, strangled me, and left me for dead. Yeah. Everybody, they should all be out. It shouldn't take three weeks. Well, they look at her record and maybe she has some arrests or some record. And so they say, well, who fucking cares? Yes. Paul Holes will say this is not how it happened today. Acknowledging that that's how it fucking happened then. Yes. You know, Uh, you can't not acknowledge it. Right. I mean, and that's the best thing you can do is say, this is, these are the old attitudes. We have to change it. Yes. We have to change it. Yes. Um, Okay. So now that he's been caught red-handed, he's found guilty of his crimes against both of these women, and he's sentenced to how many years in jail? Four. Four. <gasps> yeah. 
for that was the same time right steven did you see that that was perfectly at the same time how did that happen because i thought you were gonna take a two more seconds and then i was like it's this i'm setting it up to be a disappointing thing i was gonna say five yeah it was fucking it's four and he ends up serving two and a half years fucking for the attempted murder of two different women like a month apart (sighs) so he is released again in february of 1987 let him go and where the fuck does he go south central los angeles right so this is from jillian lauren's article from the cut quote ravaged by the crack epidemic and the reagan administration's subsequent war on drugs south central became a playground for predators Mm -hmm. during that era up to seven sexually motivated serial killers including lonnie franklin who is the fucking grim sleeper chester turner michael hughes our boy richard fucking ramirez from the devil and louis crane and sam little himself operated with near impunity in the area according to local law enforcement and community activists holy shit yes so they the not only you know we've talked about this a bunch of times the grim sleeper murdered sex workers and black women in south central los angeles for 20 years it went on so long that it is it's the kind of case you almost can't cover right because of how extreme it is how extensive it is like you can't do it justice really i can't do it justice and i should say you can't do it without totally insulting the the police force because it's you know it's it's a really hard case to cover with uh empathy or understanding toward a police force who literally were making up slang of what to call black sex working women who would get murdered that were and that's what this um the jillian lawrence article is about that's what she's referring to as the serial killer and the quote less dead right because it's like saying that these women are less dead than other people that sex workers are less dead when they get killed because they just quote a deserve it or b um they live in the lifestyle that's a little more risky so somehow they were asking for it or drug use like the thing where they're trying to pin on karen silkwood where it's saying oh because you do these things in your life you somehow have a hand in this you deserve it you were asking for right and then if it goes even higher up it's the fucking government not putting enough police force in the fucking south central so they're dealing with these day-to-day insane fucking things in this crack epidemic that they that the fucking government started to begin with (laughs) so they go all the that's but, what this episode is called. So essentially, this is the, it's the same, uh, it's this, it's this standard serial killer narrative turned on its head because there's no process. There's no cooling off period. There's no build. There's no, um, intrigue or, you know, for lack of a better word, um, to this serial killer process. No alarms are sounded when these missing women disappear. It's a psychopath taking advantage of the ugliest parts of uh, society's truth in that some people's lives count less than Mm. others to the authorities. And these men, especially, of course, uh, Lonnie Franklin, but this guy, Sam Little, just went in and exploited that fact and did exactly what he wanted to do. Um, and to illustrate that, there's an amazing pull quote that's just sitting on the side of one of the, uh, the side of the cut the cut article and it just says he'd done three months for assault and rape he'd done three years for robbing a furniture store (gasps) and that's it in a nutshell that's it right there what we value and how the law works for those things okay so okay so basically this is another quote from that cut article 
quote, they began working up. So the, when the cold case team went in, they began working up a dossier on him. So Sam Little had aliases Samuel McDaniel, Samuel McDowell, Willie Mae Clifton, and Willie Lewis. The detectives ran rap sheets and arrest records, pulled prison packages, did vehicle searches. When the results began to pile up on her desk, Mitzi Roberts' unflappable cool gave way to astonishment, even anger. The question wasn't where he'd been hiding all these years. He hadn't been hiding. Mm. He'd been committing crime after crime in plain fucking sight. Oh, The fucking isn't in that quote. End quote. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Okay. So this cold case team in 2012 gets a grant from the National Institute of Justice that allows them to launch cold case, this cold case special section. So they're tasked with screening DNA evidence to link and possibly solve cold cases from the LA area. So Sam Little's DNA is in the database. Um, for those attacks that he only served two and a half years for. Mm-hmm. So when they screen old DNA samples from several cold case mm-hmm. murders in the LA area in the late eighties, they find a match. Um, Sam Little's DNA matches the DNA found on two unsolved murder victims, Audrey Nelson, who was killed in August of 1989 and Guadalupe Apodaca, who was killed in September of 1989. Wow. So Mitzi Roberts takes a closer look at Little and his background and she, and it confirms that he's involved in these murders. He clearly has, you know, he has the record. Yeah. Um, and he's the only reason he's out of jail is but like basically a technicality. It's not even like he's trying to be stealth about them. It's like, well, it's just waiting for someone to match them up. That's yeah. It. it doesn't, he's probably not even thinking about that part yeah. at all. So she pulls an outstanding narcotics warrant that was against him from 20, 2007. Cool. The DA agrees to extradite as long as she can find him. So now she has to go figure out where the Shit. fuck he is. Carmen Sandiego style. I'm super lately into um, po- getting someone in for a warrant for for violating their probation but it's about a bigger thing so yes. like they did a little fucking thing wrong or they were hanging out with someone who is also a convict and they pulled them in for that but they fucking have them on something else and they can swab them for dna and yeah that's how it starts i mean that's a really cool trick yeah because there's i mean there's loopholes on both sides yeah. there's loopholes that will get people out of things right. where you're like what the fuck but then that's also the there's loopholes on the other side to go well there is an outstanding warrant for you for narcotics yeah so we get to pull you in we don't have to right we normally you disqualified your normal rights yes by that and and hooray do it we get to do it paul holes do it um <laughs> run that dna yeah um so LAPD ro- robbery homicide unit then discover financial records that point to little being in because he had social security payments um, that he was putting on a prepaid Walmart card in Louisville, Kentucky. So the U S marshals fugitive tax force um, is sent to Louisville. Um, and they finally find Sam little in a homeless shelter on September 5th, 2012, they arrest him and they extradite him back to Los Angeles. Wow. He refuses to talk. Another DNA match comes in, a third victim, 41-year-old um, Carol Alford, who had been strangled to death and found in a residential alley in South Central. Mm. Um, so with three charges of murder, on January 7th, 2013, Samuel Little goes to uh, goes to court for the murders of Nelson, Apodaca, and Alford. Um, it starts... The actual trial starts in September 2014. He maintains his in- innocence throughout. Oh, shut up. The evidence proves him otherwise, and several women who had been Little's victims mm. but escaped, um, 
they come and testify against him. Yes. And their testimonies, along with the newly found DNA evidence, are enough to put him away. So on September 25th, 2014, Samuel Little is found guilty of the murders of Nelson Apodega and Alford. He's sentenced to three consecutive life sentences with no possibility of parole. And now, so he's just going to jail. But now the FBI decides they need to run a full background check on him since he clearly is a multiple murderer and possibly a serial killer. Um, And that leaves them to discover compelling links in his history to many more cold cases. His travel patterns, for one, line up with the timing of several cold case murders, including one in Odessa, Texas. God. Um, So in spring of 2018, Texas Ranger James Holland, the one that we were talking yes. about, um, along with VICAP crime analyst Christina Palazzolo and Department of Justice Senior Policy Advisory and VICAP Liaison Angela Williamson. These are all the jobs you can have in um, law enforcement if you mm, want to go in there. Love it. You can fucking just work for VICAP all the time. Yeah, um, do it. They go to California to interview Sam Little because they he wanted to get transferred to a smaller prison. The prison that he was in in California was out in the desert. It was 105 all the time. Right, right. It was really crowded. Maybe there's like fucking crazy mean prisoners that they don't want to be in the population with. Yes. that's a re- I think that's a great tactic, too, is trading uh, being transferred to a better there are better prisons yeah. than others just smaller he yeah. wanted a smaller quieter because now he was in his 70s well good for fucking him but also like let's solve some cold cases right he had something to give and so that's when uh james holland from the texas rangers came out so he basically james holland says i will take you to a prison in texas um where it's much smaller, it's cleaner, it's quieter. There's barbecue. Like, you might be able to get some barbecue there every once in a while. You might be... Like, he was kind of the going... Yeah. There's these... There's a, gr- a bunch of perks. Um, but we need to know about these cold cases in Odessa, Texas. Yeah. And that is the conversation that he has over a four-month period Jesus. with James Holland, where he eventually confesses to 90... Over 90 different murders that took place between 1970 and 2000. 2005. He begins this confession by simply naming cities, states, and the number of murders he's committed in each location. Oh my god. He's like a fucking Israel Keys style serial killer where he just was kind of um, went wherever he felt like going and didn't have a lot of connections and just kind of killed sex workers and women of color um, that were in situations and because he was uh, trained as a boxer what mm. we, he would do was beat the shit out of them mm. and then when they lost consciousness strangle them but then leave them in the in you know say a motel room yeah. or an alley or a place where if they are known sex workers and known drug addicts the cops would look at their body and say that's probably from um the drug overdose or a or whatever or whatever yeah random. and basically all of the detail of the murder would get lost in the lifestyle that the the authorities were looking at when they saw the dead body yeah. so basically um he Sam Little goes into deeper detail. He can describe the events of every murder with staggering clarity. What the fuck? He's also a talented artist. So he start he has drawn many of his victims from memory <gasps> that are in that 
in in the cut article, that's the top picture. It's this series of portraits that are kind of cool looking where you're like, what's this? Uh, and then you look down and they were all drawn by him. Oh, God, that creeps me out so much. It's super creepy. Um, so among the murders confirmed to have been committed by Little is the January 1996 murder of 24-year-old Melissa Thomas. Um, he as he recounts it, met Melissa on the on one day on the street in Opelousas, Louisiana. They drove to a cemetery to use drugs. While they were there, um, they moved to the backseat of the car to have sex. And while back there, he began to stroke her neck. And he even recalls her saying, why do you keep touching my neck? Are you a serial killer? <sighs> and in that moment, his temper flared and he strangled her to death. She was 24 years old. 24. Her body was later found naked beneath a pecan tree in a cemetery behind a Baptist Church and when questioned about the details of the event Little was able to recount the layout of the town Aye. with such accuracy that authorities were able to confirm his involvement so he remembered every fucking moment of it basically after countless interviews with Sam Little detectives have described him as quote pure evil and quote a charismatic psychopath mm. um, so far of of the 93 murders he's confessed to the FBI has corroborated 39 of them holy with shit. quote many more pending oh my god um, again from the cut quote so far he has described 93 killings 39 have been confirmed by available evidence like those of Rosie Hill he killed in 1982 in Marion County, Florida. Daisy McGuire killed in 1996 in Houma, Louisiana, or Houma, Louisiana. Nancy Carol Stevens, who was killed in 2005 near Tupelo, Mississippi. And Little's first murder, um, a blonde woman in Miami, which was recently confirmed, but her name has not been um, released. Mm. Um and again, this is restating it, but he dodged the arrest by targeting low-income neighborhoods um, and areas with particularly high numbers of drug addiction and unsolved murders. He said, quote, I can go into my world and do what I want to do. That's his attitude about mm. it. The other factor contributing to the ability to dodge the efforts was his method of killing, which, as I explained, he basically, because he used his hands on them, there was they would always assume... There's no bullet wounds. There's no stab wounds. There's no overt signs of a murder case. Right. And so Defen no there's no defensive wounds either, probably because he knocked them out. Immediately. Yeah. He just like punch them out and then strangle them to death. So no foul play was ever suspected. Wow. And most of the deaths were attributed to drug overdoses. Holy shit. Um, today, Little's in poor health. He will likely stay in prison uh, until his death. Uh, so the goal now is to verify his victims and provide closure and justice in the unsolved cases. So VICAP is hoping that this case will serve as a reminder to every jurisdiction of the importance of consistent violent crime reporting. Because when you actually investigate the, the death and you see that it's a violent crime and you put it into VICAP, then they can start tracing these people who are who are perhaps serial killers around the country. Yeah. And and five hours ago there was this story that I just found like from today. From fucking five hours ago. Like, literally. The headline said, pro pro um, Prolific serial killer draws more victims after confessing to 90 murders, including one in Houston. Um, 
And basically, he drew a picture of a new person, oh and the God. authorities saw it and were like, "Who is this?" And um, basically, he he had created sixteen drawings of the victims based on memory. He's recently added ten more drawings Holy, to the collection. That's why we don't need that little creepy bit. Like this is a terrible enough story that this part is like, yeah. But guess over what? Five hours ago, there's a brand new creepy uh, bit where it's like he's got it all up in his head. Yeah. One of the victims only identified as a black female between 25 and 28 years old was killed in Houston between 1976 and 1979 or in 1993, the FBI said. What? They're not sure. The drawings include victims from Charleston, South Carolina, Cincinnati, Ohio, New Orleans, Orleans, Louisiana, Savannah, Georgia, Kendall, Florida, and North Little Rock, Arkansas. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation inmate locator shows little is currently in custody at the California State Prison in Los Angeles County. This is the continuing story of terrible, horrifying serial killer Sam Little. So is he suspected of more crimes in Los Angeles, too, or in California? Uh, I don't know specifically, yeah. just more crimes. So, yeah, it's it's basically when he decides to tell um, the Texas Rangers or whoever he's still speaking with about the details um that is unbelievable i mean yeah. insane awful so crazy great job uh thank you to me when this story broke i was just like man this is another one of those grim sleeper stories where yeah. it's just someone who got to do what they wanted for 40 years and how many more are there like that and how many families are hoping that someone gives a shit about their fucking loved one who died and no one investigated it and right the yeah. fact that dna is gonna fucking come for you and it's it's fucking crazy. I mean, it goes all the way. It goes all the way to the top. top. Motherfuckers. Oh, Let's change the topic. Okay. To something good. Okay. What's your fucking parade? I, I want to say great job, though. That was. Oh, thank you. You did that really well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, fucking hooray. I have, a, you know, just some light ones. Nothing yeah. deep. Let's go light this week. <laughs> New therapist. <laughs> Is that light? Yeah. Okay, great. New therapist I'm connecting with now after three sessions. I really like her. Awesome. She's got crystals in her office. I don't know. <laughs> All the stuff you love. Yeah, stuff I don't like, but I think people who have their shit together have. You know what I mean? Like her, um, she has a... A, a geode? A coaster. Essentially a geode. Like a coaster that's made of, that's a hexagon that's marble. Okay. Which to me is like, oh, you have your shit together. Okay. Yeah. Is that weird? No, not at all. Um, that's, uh, I told you, the, my first appointment with Michelle, my therapist, I looked around and everything was mid-century and and moss green. And yes. I was like, this is crazy. This you can, is where I belong. Absolutely. If you can match your furniture. Hello. I can tell you about Janet. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, the trust is there. There it is. I'm getting to house remodel a little bit and pick out like tiles and shit, which also means that I get to be bossy, which is hard for me. And I'm learning how no, to. No, it is not. <laughs> you're high as a kite. It's all you do. Okay, you're right. <laughs> but I love it. And that, and I could do it without feeling guilty because I'm paying her. You should not feel guilty anyway. You get to do what you want. I know. I'm learning. in this life. I'm learning. I'm trying. You get to. Okay. Especially with shit like tiles. What if I was like, yeah, and then I just squatted and took a piss on the carpet? <laughs> then we take you to your favorite therapist. Yeah, and then Ricky Lynn home scrubs me the fuck down <laughs> in the mental institution. And also, okay, I binge watched Pen15 
which yes. is just the word penis yep. with the number. Of, it's just, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Uh, it's on Hulu. It's this, their original show. And, uh, it's like a combination of strangers with candy meets Degrassi. And I don't cry. I'm talking to my new therapist about that. Okay. I cried in two episodes. Whoa. And it, I, it meant so much to me. It was such a beautiful show and so well done and great acting and just, and also weird. And it's also kind of a miracle that got, it got made because it's just a weird show. Yeah. But in a great way. And in the same way with Strangers with Candy, it's like, it just meant a lot to me. It's a beautiful show. So That's awesome. Pen 15. I've heard out. so many good things about Pen 15. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I should watch that. Um, well, mine, I would say on that, on a similar note, yeah. I've been watching, um, there's a bunch of Miss Marples that's, that are on. Which one's that? Miss Marple is, it's Agatha Christie's character <gasps> where it's the old lady that basically keeps showing up at places and being like, what's going on here? But she's, <laughs> she's like, a nosy Nelly. She's a nosy Nelly that's as smart and observant as yeah. Sherlock Holmes. So she goes in and is like, but I noticed that you had that brooch on <gasps> yesterday. And it's really delightful. And in this series that I, th- I'm sure was BBC or some British, um, network, there's a, several different actresses that play her because oh. it was on for so long and the character's old. So the actresses were on the older side. Cool. So there's a couple different and they're all amazing in their own way. But it's just, it, it's that thing that's getting me through at night sometimes where it's just like... It's, comforting. It's so comforting. But then you look at it and there's the casts are amazing. The directing is amazing. Like, it's actually great television Yeah, that I kind of put on like, no, oh, this old funny old lady. And it's like, I love this show. It's almost like you can do both. You can have this like binge watching thing that you put on in the background, but it can also be really well made. And that's like nice too, it, probably. Yeah, it right? feels good. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. This is a little bit bigger and maybe a little bit more Uh-oh. philosophical. But the other day, so my new thing lately is I'm just blow drying my hair just so that <laughs> like, you know, I've oh. n- I spent five years going, I don't care what I look like. Yeah. It's evident. And so Stop. it's, this is my new way of turning it around and just being like, when I go outside, this is what I just go like, what do normal people do? <laughs> and then I try to do that too. So blow drying my hair is a big thing because when my hair is not blown dry, I, I look a bit like a lunatic. Me and, too. um, at least when it is, it's just like you kind of feel a little bit better. Your hair looks styled right now. And I, I think you. I've seen you both unblow dried and blow dried a lot. And it does like, <laughs> and I get it too. My hair is fucking insane. And if I don't blow dry, I look like your crazy aunt. Yeah. And your hair, I can tell the difference. And right now, it looks like an expensive styling. Thank you. I did it. You look beautiful. (laughs) But I have to say, so it's just that thing where I go, I don't know what to do right now with myself, but I just know that I have to take, I have to do the little things and I just have to figure out what I want to do and do them. Yeah. So I did, so I did my blow dry plan. And at one point I went to Gelson's and I walked up and it was just that thing where I think, I feel a little bit better about myself. I'm making eye contact with people. I'm having a good time. You're not slouching. Al- I do it too. You're slouching yeah. along and, and just like feeling shitty. Yeah. And I have that thing now where when I when I am on the heavier side, I get really embarrassed in public. Mm. I don't want to make eye contact. I don't want to be in public. Ugh. I have a lot of like I am very very mean to myself. It's like a, a shame shaming yourself. Yes, I do the Game of Thrones shame walk, but in Gelson's grocery store. Oy vey. So I'm in the grocery store with my hair and my 
new attitude. <laughs> my little ton of <laughs> mascara. <laughs> I got a new attitude. And I walk up to the yogurt section and there's a Miss Marple style old lady standing there staring at the yogurt in the area I want to be in. Yeah, yeah. So I'm standing kind of diagonally over to the side waiting for her to leave so I can go in and get my Fage yogurt. And there's zero percent or two percent. I like two percent. Yeah, you got to have a little fat in there. You got to have it's more filling. It's good for you. Zero percent. It doesn't. Why are you? Don't worry about it. Don't pretend to eat. Let's not be crazy. Yeah. Um. So as I'm standing there waiting, I see movement in the back and I see some yogurts getting stacked up. And then I hear this voice go, Miss, do you need any help finding anything? And I was like, No, I'm. Uh, or I go, do you know where the big fages are? And he's like, it's right over here. But it's just, I can see the outline of a guy. Mm. And basically, he and I had a full fucking conversation. <laughs> and he was like, Miss, do you want me to come out and show you where it is? And then I start laughing. I'm like, no, I can see it. It's right there. Oh, my God. He wanted to come show you his yogurt. <laughs> and then I find it. I'm like, take it down. And he goes, is there anything else I can help you with? And I was like, no, I, I think that's it. And he's like, I hope you have a great day, miss. And it, I'm making him sound younger than he was because yeah. it sounded like a man. And from the 60s or 50s, 50s. It was 50 style customer service for sure. Yeah. But it just was it. I couldn't stop laughing as I walked. Out. I was like, thanks so much. Thanks you're so being, much for your yogurt experience. Do you feel like you're being acknowledged a little more because you're walking around with confidence and eye contact and people are like yes. noticing you as a human being and someone yes. to interact with in life? It, I, I think what it made me realize is I, I think I've spent a lot of my life thinking I didn't have to bring anything to the table and still that I would be just in complaining that I didn't get anything from the table where it's like an even exchange. So if I want to meet someone interesting in life, I have to have eyes up yogurt conversation at the ready. (laughs) Like it's, you have to be prepared to do it and be the kind of person somebody might want to talk to through the yogurt fucking stalls. And I think in addition to that is not someone who you think, why is this person talking to me? Like they're making fun of me or they don't care. Or they, instead of being like, I'm a worthy person of being spoken to. And I can bring that confidence to them as well. And they're attracted to that. And I'm attracted to theirs. Yes. Right. I think so. I mean, like I, it made me feel like a pretty lady the way he was trying to give me dairy area service. <laughs> All in up a, in your dairy <laughs> area. Come on, get get that dairy going. But it was that thing where I walked away going, the only thing different about me from a, a time before till now is the fact that I kind of went, well, I'm going to the store with this hair. Like, yeah. I want to be in the world. And it's you know, a it's hard not the hair. It's the confidence it gives you. Yeah. The hair is great, too. The hair is fine. Mascara is nice. I mean, I look a little dead without it. So it does help. Got to put on some lipstick. You don't want to look like a corpse <laughs> from the messages from Pat Kilgara from and the beyond. Damn but, it. It's got wings. But then <laughs> the darn thing's got wings. But then sometimes it's like then sometimes some fun thing could happen. I, I feel like that was so out of my realm for That's, so long you know what you were doing what flirting <laughs> do you know that flirting with the yogurt no you was guys, that flirting that's you guys were flirting were we which is when i'm single one of my favorite fucking hobbies flirting I'm, is fun i'm terrible at it try it it's stupid and ridiculous and but it, no tell me how because see my problem is i try to go for the joke as if anyone gives a single shit that I'm like, here's my wordplay. Wordplay's good, but like in a like, well, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna, I'll shove the, I'll bury all over your fucking. I don't know. I can't. I'll shove 
have four sticks of butter up. What's that you say? And he's like, um, this went wrong. No, Georgia but, told me to tell you. Oh, I just got, what's her face voice? Did you hear me go? Yeah, like, oh, Elizabeth Holmes. When I'm flirting, this is my voice. Oh, uh, I don't recall. I'll shove the dairy. <laughs> it puts the dairy in the basket. <laughs> oh, I don't recall. I think don't of recall. something. Think of, be, pretend you're Janet for yes. my mom for a minute. Well, she loves a blowout. That's the first thing I ever noticed about her. She gets her. great blowout. <laughs> and she's the biggest flirt I've ever met. She can flirt with anyone. She's great at it. Why? Because she thinks she's hot fucking shit at all times. <laughs> she is. She is. She's hot shit. But like, if you're like some dairy guy says something to you, it's it's like sarcasm. It's like, pretend they're a gay guy that you would have a conversation with and be like, well, fuck you, bitch. But like, do it to someone you want to fuck. <laughs> That's flirting. Shit. That's flirting. good. That's a great... Easy you translation. Flirt with your gay guy friends all the time. Yes, that's true. And you true. don't realize it because it's just normal. It's natural. But that's you need to treat straight guys like that too. That's a great idea. Okay. Everyone's gay from now on. Everyone's gay. Yeah. I mean, aren't we? Oh, uh, uh, everybody. Uh, uh, and then we make to out. Quote. <laughs> that's the perfect ending to this episode. Um, to quote who? To quote Kurt Cobain. Everyone is gay. Oh, Kurt. Remember. There he goes. There Corporate rock still sucks. Am I right, buddy? Yeah. You ruined my life with your weird attitudes and your heroin oh, problem. Did you do that? Uh, wow. This has been intense. Shit. It, this has been fucking lights off. Exactly right. Office. We covered every single topic. Are there any more? No. Is this the end of the podcast? I think it is. Can you feel it? <laughs> I can can feel you feel it. it ebbing away? I can feel it in the air. Let's it's let it go. Tonight. And know that there'll always be another dairy section to come flirt with. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this insanity. Yeah. Um, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs>